HA Jason here, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Just want to wish you a happy new year. I hope your 2020 and this coming decade goes great. And I realize I didn't comment on your traveler character creation where your character died in character creation. There you go. Living the dream, right? That's that's what we all want to see happen in character creation, so good job. Anyhow, looking forward to Traveler Game. I will talk to you later on, and I'm looking forward to this new year and games together, so take care. Bye. Thanks he won't share with us The darkness in his brain The dungeon master's plan The pleasure and the pain What's better left unknown to me, I hear him think out loud, to die the only the brave shall come, open to page one. My name is Che Webster, and this is the Roleplay Rescue Dungeon Master's Diary. I accessed a very specific memory this morning that was kind of significant and important. I remember going to the games room in Norwich with my dad. Ooh, we're talking 30 years or more ago. And my dad used to go in there regularly to buy games. And I remember that he used to be particularly fond of those kind of big box chip, hex and chip games. The kind of Avalon Hill is the brand I most associate with that. Um, and Yamato, I think, as well. Anyway, on the back of those games, there used to be uh, a guidance on the number of players, the amount of time, average time played, and the complexity level. And I remember my dad really paying a lot of attention to the complexity level of a game. I remember that if it was less than about five, he probably wouldn't even think about buying it and playing it. Too simple. I remember that if it was up at a sort of nine is always like a one to ten scale i think if it was about sort of nine ten he would be cautious about buying it maybe too complex and the sweet spot seemed to be around about sort of six six seven something like that six seven eight i guess and i remember as well myself being involved in like playing games with dad and i remember paying a lot of attention to that complexity level growing up and i remember being drawn quite commonly to games that were around about complexity seven and um, I also remember that when we got RuneQuest, my dad, that doesn't have a complexity level on the back, as far as I remember. Um, but I remember my dad rejecting it largely because I think I always assumed he couldn't see the point. But I also think that it's possible the game felt too complex to him, or at least the idea was too complex to him. I don't know. I've never really had the conversation. But anyway, complexity, this was the memory, this thing about seeking a specific kind of sweet spot of complexity, which I think really has affected me all the way through my life and, you know, continues to affect the way I think about games. So for me, you know, I wonder whether um, when I see a game that seems simple, I tend to reject it out of hand simply because of that particular social experience that I had when I was younger. There's view that a game is only worthwhile if it has a certain level of complexity. And I certainly do enjoy games that have a reasonable level of complexity. People have commented it, haven't they? <laughs> so I don't know. Um, 
And I don't know that complexity is in itself a good or a bad thing. I think there are many fine games that aren't terribly complex. Um, although I immediately struggled to think of any. But, you know, I, I've enjoyed games that are quite simple. The other thought that's connected to that, though, is a, a conversation I've had many times with my dad, and which I do agree with him on, which is this thing where a game... Games often have two kind of major elements, and one of those elements is is a skill required to master the game, and the other is luck. So I think um, a game, for example, that has no luck in it is chess, as far as I can tell, um, and that's really all about skill, although the game itself is relatively simple, I think, in terms of the rules, I mean. It's com not a complex game in terms of rules. What is complex is the interaction between you and the other player. That's the skill interaction. And I've always been drawn more to skill interaction than I have luck interaction. Although, that being said, I actually personally prefer games that have an element of luck. Although, this is the thing me and my dad agree on. Too much luck, not enough skill, is less interesting. And I find that some people... The balance of that is obviously something they prefer at different levels as well. And it's something that I have not heard talked about very much um, in the community of role players is this balance between the skill required to play the game um, and the luck level in the game. So I, I've i heard a lot of talk about sort of role playing versus role playing, R-O-L-L playing, um, which is something I'm going to do a whole episode on, I think, because I just really don't think that's a, a true dichotomy but one of the things that might be affecting people's perception of a game and the way a game is being played by a group of people I feel might be this balance between the level of skill required to master that game and to be good at that game and the level of luck required uh, sorry the level of luck that the game provides if you like that what some people might describe, I suppose, as the swinginess of a game. Um, I don't know. Anyway, two thoughts. This idea that complexity is important to me, and that's coming really from my socialisation with my dad in wargaming. And so this balance between skill and luck. And I guess I, I kind of place a premium on skill. And I tend to see luck as... I don't know, not something that requires skill, therefore um, not as desirable. But I like a little bit of luck. I think a little bit of luck adds spice and makes things fun and less predictable. I guess for young me, um, a game where I could occasionally get lucky or occasionally my dad would get unlucky, meant I felt like I had a chance of being able to win that game against my dad, who, generally speaking, had a higher level of skill. Um well, at least when I was younger. I I think that as my skill level grew, um, then I found some of the luck uh, less appealing perhaps because it would shake up my ability to win until I stopped caring about willing, winning quite as much, which is something that happened. I, I think role-playing did this for me. It helped me understand that you know, the winning of something isn't as important as the interaction we have. Um, in a game. Anyway, I guess I'm witchering. Random thoughts. 2020 has begun. Um, I wanted to put a bit of flesh on the bone of um, the drive and direction that I want to take this year. So one of the things I've decided to try and do is to run a series of relatively short-term and bounded experiments in gaming. 
Um, so to give an example of that, um, I'm going to try and form a hypothesis and kind of put that out into the field in an experimental way. The goal of which always is going to be to kind of try and improve my gaming experience and the experience of players. So an example of this would be 25th of January, planning to run a adventure uh, using the Mongoose 2nd Edition Traveller rules. Um, looks like we're going to use the High and Dry Adventure. It's a really kind of near classic now module, which Mongoose has uh, had out there for a while and which was kind of reissued with 2nd Edition um, now, the question, if you like, in my mind, the kind of experimental kind of basis for this is the can I run a module, um, pre-written module, and find a way of kind of bringing that to the table. For me, one of the big uh, challenges that I have is I find trying to run someone else's module really, really hard. And I feel that there's a lot of work I need to do before I can kind of like bring that to the table. I, I very rarely feel I could sort of pick something up and just run it. You know, that's not that simple for me. Um, so the, if you like, the hypothesis is that I can find a way of restructuring, reorganizing um, a module so that I can deliver it at the table myself. And um, so I've set myself this kind of one month um, window to try and deliver something online um, and that's an example of something that I'd like to continue doing this year there are a number of things that I want to ex explore I've been talking to David Aldridge about using the Rifts Atlantis setting one of the questions that I have that I'd like to kind of form an experiment around is whether it's possible to run a really really rich intensely rich setting with a very minimal set of rules um, and perhaps whether it's it's actually advantageous to lean on game structure rather than rules themselves to help leverage and kind of deliver a story based in a setting i'm interested in that interaction um and there are lots of others I, i'm kind of wanting to do I'm, I'm basically looking um at all of the products that i have and all of the games that i'm playing through an experimental lens with the intention of learning and developing my skills and becoming a better gamer and a better gm uh, and better able to deliver a good experience to my players. So there you go. Just want to share that thought and um, and sh you know put it out there. It's Friday and tonight is um, Games Night of Friday Night Gamers. And I had a couple of thoughts that were running through my mind today that I wanted to make note of, really. Um, the first is actually, I was talking about this with Dave Aldridge, uh, I think yesterday, that I've noticed the Dungeons of Thal has become probably the most popular game that I have run in many, many years. There are somewhere between 15 and 20 players um, currently involved in that game across three kind of groups. There's an online kind of cluster of players, um, which sometimes forms, I mean, originally was two groups and is now kind of merged. There's uh, the Friday Night Gamers are playing um, when only two of the three are there, the current idea is that we will play Thal. And when three of the three are there, they're quite happy to go back to Grimm's Fort. And then I've also got the school group, um, which is about four or five players. And sort of taken together, that's about 15 people, maybe towards 20 people, depending on how you want to count it. Um, and that kind of is curious to me, because Thal is uh, basically an open table game. It's a dungeon crawl and it is a very basic dungeon crawl. And 
Um, the only thing that kind of makes it particularly remarkable, I suppose, is that I'm using um, the dungeon crawl game structure, uh, open table principles, and you know my game system is GURPS Dungeon Fantasy Role Playing Game. Uh, it is actually, in some respects, the only thing that makes it particularly remarkable in my mind is that it isn't a plot driven story. It isn't in any way anything more than um, a series of dungeon rooms. And it's even more remarkable when you consider that the large sections of that dungeon have been initially generated in terms of structure largely randomly. Shh, don't tell the players. Um, and I've kind of made sense of that and the players are making sense of that and that's really amazing. And what was also interesting in, and why this ties to Friday night was that over the last couple of days I've been going, well, what do you want to do, guys? You know, are we all going to make it? Um, if so, what do you want to do? And, you know, there's been a bit of um, agitation to continue in Thal that actually the point was made, I think by Ian, the point was made that actually it's kind of easy to play and it's kind of fun and really simple to get your head around. Whereas going to Grimsfort, they've got to kind of dredge back several weeks in memory for starters. But there's also, there, there are story threads there. There are sort of lines of story uh, that are moving and they've got to recover those. They've also got to learn a few more complicated bits of the game, like magic use, for example, for Ian. Um, and I think that the submission um, kind of uh, itch is is scratched with Thal. That actually, with busy people, with busy lives, actually, Thal delivers a nice fun game that isn't too complicated that you can just enjoy um and that's actually really appealing to um these players so that's really interesting to me that's that's been a fascinating line of thought um the other thing was this the reality of um kind of prep i uh I mean, I was agitating a couple of days ago, what do you want to play on Friday? Because I kind of wanted to prep a few things. My prep has decreased massively, by the way, um, which is a good thing. And I need to think more about whether that's appropriate and how appropriate that is. Um, but just parking that a second, the, the the question is, if all three players there, I'm doing Grimsfall. If only two of the players there, we're doing Thal. Um, I had put out the third option, which was, hey, do you want to play um, a one-shot game with Modern Age? To wit, the response of that has been kind of, well, you know, we'll play whatever, but actually not a lot of enthusiasm. So I tend to just interpret that as, no, no, we're not really interested, mate, which is fine. I just kind of sometimes wish people would say, no, I'm not really interested. Um, but actually, Thal or Grimsfall. And I just kind of, if I'm going to go up to Grimsfall, I do need to go back and because there are those story threads, if you like, running through, I do need to make sure they're fresh in my mind. And there are a few tweaks and things that I need to make to the um, adventure site they're going to. But um, basically, uh, then I have the situation where it looks like all three are coming, so I kind of get ready to prep. I was actually doing something else this morning, so... I'm just already now having come back from the gym to sit down and do some prep. And I got a text on the way back just from Andy saying, hey, my wife's in hospital. I mean, let's be, let's be honest, really good reason not to be coming. Good chance he's not going to make it. Might know more by lunchtime. Maybe you should prep Thal. And I'm kind of really glad I haven't sat down and prepped Grimsfort because, I, you know, then I would be tempted to get um, annoyed. But actually having kind of left things till later, 
I've got flexibility. And that led me into a line of thought about, well, actually, I, I think as a GM, I need to remain pretty damn flexible. And unless there's something I'm setting up as a specific kind of, we are definitely playing this, and here are all the players. Um, when it comes to my Friday group, and often I think when it comes to like the same with the school, I am honestly of the opinion that the open table format is what I need to be clinging to. Um, and yes, in an open table format, you can prep a one shot. But I think you have to have guys buy in. Um, you know, I don't think it would be much uh, fun for them if they rock up on a Friday night and I'm like, hey, you thought you were going to play this. Actually, I want to try that. Um, I think I do need to like be ready with a few of these things, but I also need to get buy in um, about playing them. So um, to me, it seems a bit wrong to sort of drop a one shot on people without any notice. Um I think the only time I might do that, I might get try um, this year to get some things in my back pocket so that if I needed it, I could. But to be honest, if I'm running Thal, I don't need anything in my back pocket because, you know, it is pretty easy to pick up and play. So what am I saying? I guess I'm saying that, I, you know, I'm learning that I need to be more really flexible as a GM in terms of prep. I think in the past I tended to get quite frustrated when people couldn't get to game because my expectation was everyone should be at game. Um, uh, for the last sort of couple of months with open play being more and more something I'm doing, um, I'm finding the open table mentality means that I'm a lot less stressed. I guess that's what I'm saying. I'm a lot less bothered about how much prep I did. And I'm also finding I need to do less prep. Um, I can get a lot of mileage out of the dungeons of Thal. Uh, you know, there's an awful lot. You don't need a lot of map for the guys to really spend time enjoying uh, engaging with that and exploring that so yeah there you go long-winded way of saying hmm i'm learning some stuff about gming game on post has just been um which always scares the crap out of me actually how much money i'm spending need to spend less um but i got my copy of uh on downtime and demenses is that how i don't know how you spell that demensnis demensnis i don't know how to pronounce demensis <laughs> I'll go with what I always say, which is probably wrong. Um, on downtime and dementias, um, procedures for populations, basically, um, by Courtney Campbell. And uh, I've backed the Kickstarter and, um, yeah, got a hardback copy of the book, which is kind of cool. Um, and just on a flipping through, I actually haven't looked at the PDF at all, so I don't really know what's in here. But what it's supposed to be is loads of stuff on exactly what it said on the cover on handling downtime really um so that'll be interesting to dig through because i think this might help with my fantasy gaming um uh, you know in the longer term so it's one of those books i'm going to have to put in my reading pile and um I, I don't know if it's a reader one or whether it's a flip through and pick things out kind of book um but anyway that one's come and then i got um oh god i don't know why i did this when i um just back before the new year, I was getting excited about Traveller. I decided I would kind of finally get myself some hard copies of, of various Cepheus things. Um, I couldn't find initially, actually, my copy of Cepheus Light, and I have a kind of a uh, a desk copy of that, which is about a five-ish size, something like that. Anyway, I, so I ordered a copy. So I've got the full-size copy, which is a four, I think. Um, this is Cepheus Light, and and of course, at the same time, I realised I hadn't actually got Cepheus Engine itself. Um, so I ordered that and I also found there's a Cepheus Faster Than Light uh, in subtitled Minimalist 2D6 sci-fi role-playing so yeah I grabbed that for a look as well um, 
And then there's an even uh, an ultra version of that, which is a one-page thing, <laughs> which I downloaded. Um, anyway, why have I got all these various bits of Cepheus? Well, okay, for those who don't know, Cepheus Engine is a retro clone um, originally done by Jason Kemp. Cepheus Engine um, is a... I think it's Jason Kemp. It's certainly who published this book. Um, no, it's Jason Flynn Kemp, isn't it? Oh, is that the Jason Kemp? Yes, duh. Okay, so Flynn uh, has created... Uh, Jason Kemp's created a Cepheus Engine as a sort of SRD, a system reference document. I think it's based on uh, Mongoose Traveller 1st edition um, and essentially then hacks that. So... Cephas Engine is a pretty faithful kind of presentation, I think, of that kind of particular set of rules, although I haven't read it, so I don't fully know. Um, and then from that, um, Omer Golan, Joel and Josh Peters went and hacked that into Cephas Lite, the old school rules light 2D6 based game, and essentially kind of pushed it back, I think, further towards the original classic Traveller. Um, still has sort of the main advantages of Mongoose Traveller, basically being the roll high 8 plus on 2d6. But, um, yeah, I, I think that Cepheus Light um, was kind of something that really appealed to me this time last year when it came out because it might have been a nice kind of light set of rules for doing Traveller, classic Traveller really, in a way that um, uh, I was at the time feeling that other rules weren't. Um so that's kind of cool. Now, faster than light seems to go even further than that. So it seems to be really sort of hacking out a lot of the detail. Um, so as far as I can see, it's just about adventuring. It, it kind of removes stuff that you probably don't particularly need, like design sequences for spacecraft, for example. I think what it's got is a set of common spacecraft and some space combat rules. Yeah. Um, but not any of the other sort of design sequences and things like that. So it just allows you to get to play. It's also a sim looks like a bit simpler. It looks like there's fewer kind of careers and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I need to dig into these. Um, so what are these about? Or more precisely, how can I turn a really bad purchase decision into a good purchase decision? I think what I could do is I could genuinely do over a period of weeks. It's going to take me a long while to read through them, but I could do a comparison. I think what I can do is I'm going to have a go at Mongoose Traveller 2nd Edition. I'm reading through slowly uh, Traveller 5, um, and now I can bring kind of Cepheus to the table and uh, do a comparison there. I think that might be really useful for me. Longer term, I want to do some science fiction gaming, and I think what I need to settle on is the set of rules, the Traveller set of rules that I'm most comfortable with. Um, now, it could be, to be honest with you, it could be that I end up fundamentally and ultimately doing all my gaming with GURPS because that's the trajectory I've been on for quite a few months. Um, but I'm not wanting to shut down the possibility of doing science fiction game with Traveller because I so enjoy, A, so enjoy those rules, generally speaking, and secondly, I really do enjoy the setting. Now, obviously, there's nothing stopping me doing the setting with GURPS, don't get me wrong, but the way in which the rules interact with that setting... Um, there, there is a difference there, and I'd kind of like to dig into the nuances. Anyway, I feel like I'm blithering, but that's the mail. Game on.